Hey, Zach, thanks for joining me again back on the podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about camaraderie in recovery. Uh, Apologies for the headphones, (laughs) (laughs) but but, um, my AirPods are not in my office. So instead of searching around for them, we're going to just uh, and if you're listening to the podcast, you can go watch the video, unfortunately, with my, actually, they're cool, but they are they not are that cool, cool. Um, <laughs> with my pink and white uh, headphones on YouTube, because we always broadcast the video of these podcast uh, recordings. Today, we're going to talk about camaraderie in recovery. Now, science shows that when you have the proper strategies, and the proper, and we're going to break this down, support, that is the recipe for success in recovery, which we will also uh, remind ourselves what recovery means. Um, So uh, the first thing, so hey, Zach, how's it going before I keep going? What's happening with you? Sure, it's going going (laughs) great. Yeah, everything's everything's going well. I'm looking forward to talking about uh, camaraderie today. It's going to be good. Yeah, cool. So um, I thought the first thing that we could talk about is like, why a group, you know, so what we're going to end up talking about is get into a group. And I'm going to tell you real quick why I think it's important. And we have three points that we're going to break down. And of course, we'll probably, uh, you know, discuss that a little bit further. But why get into a group? Because you need camaraderie in this journey. So a group really should be one that is intentionally focusing on pornography consumption, sexual acting out behaviors, so that you're with like-minded people, good people who are stuck in a situation like you are. And the first points that I wanted to throw out, and then we can talk about it, is when you're in a group, you learn the skills that you need to be able to take back to your world. You get to practice it with safe people who aren't going to judge you because they're going through the same thing. So for example, you learn empathy. So you learn how to empathize with what another person is going through and be able to feel for them and be be able to kind of internalize that and take it on a little bit in terms of your own journey. You learn intimacy. You learn how to be vulnerable, to share pieces of yourself you never wanted to have to share with people. And an important one for me is co-regulation. At the end of this journey, you should be able to self-regulate, especially when it comes to emotions. And we know if you get sucked into a porn habit or sexually acting out at the root of it is difficulty regulating stress and boredom primarily. So at the end of this journey and through a group, you can learn how to co-regulate, which means if I'm upset, Zach's there for me to help me move through the things that are upsetting me, to be able to have some understanding about why I'm upset, to be able to deal with being upset, and then, of course, being able to learn from it and to have some action steps to move forward. That's what co-regulation is. And it is vital that you have somebody else to do it with you. You can't co-regulate yourself, hence the word co. So do you have any thoughts? Yeah. So being able to have an outlet in a healthy way is so vital. So let's say you have a partner, you have a wife, you have a girlfriend, and you're going through the struggle and they know about it. You know, what I found is, you know, my wife doesn't want to hear, Hey, today was a tough day, but I was successful because what she hears is you were fantasizing about other women, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's, 
and I don't blame her. That's, that's what it, that's what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I can go to a group and say, whew, guys, man, this week was a tough one. Like I was really struggling, but I made it through or, Hey, you know, I messed up on Monday or I messed up on a, a couple days. And so having accountability, but also having the intimacy and empathy is great. Last thing I'm going to say that's also awesome is information sharing. Like information is one of the vital keys to getting out of porn addiction. And so even the other day I was meeting with a guy, the guy reached out to me and was like, man, I just, I've been struggling with pornography and he talked to somebody about it. I was like, yeah, sure. Let's go to Starbucks. Let's meet up. So I kind of talked to him about different things. And he came to me as kind of the expert but then at one point he's like, man, and recently I grayscaled my phone to try to help me with porn addiction. I was like, you did, you did what? He's like, yeah, I was following this guy who works to help guys to get out of pornography. He talked about how one of our triggers is visually seeing certain colors and shapes on our phone. And if you grayscale it out, it helps to decrease that trigger. And I don't know if that's scientific. I haven't, I haven't seen anything on it, but I was like, that's an interesting concept that I never heard of before. And so now I get to like say, okay, well, is this a new tool or do I look into it? And it's not, I don't, I don't know if you've heard anything about that, but that's also just, it's just great. It's great to get that, that new information. Definitely. And that's the coolest part of, you know, any healing journey is that, and I believe this about myself, like when I am in the groups with the groups that I run with, with the men that are in the groups, I learn every time I feel like I've, he, I've been healed. You know, like, I feel like the group, when we're in it, I have takeaways that are really important in my own life when I'm with other people. And I haven't heard anything about the grayscale thing, but that makes sense to me because we know that, uh, you know, colors are very powerful in um, advertising and marketing. And especially if, you know, anything can be a trigger is a reality. So that might be salient or important for some people, but maybe not for some other people, especially as it might relate to like social media feeds, you know, like if, if the same kind of thing catches your eye and you know, it's going to be something that is going to trigger you, it absolutely could be a trigger. And that's a really cool, another tool in the toolbox for the people that it is important for. So yeah, information sharing is huge. And and again, like, you know, especially if you're in a group that's run by somebody who knows what they're talking about, there's a lot of fake news and false information out there. And so when people have these distorted ideas, then when you have a professional or someone who's ahead of you on the journey, which really should be your accountability partner should be ahead of you on the journey, that person can say, okay, dude. There's holes in this theory. We got to break this thing down and do it lovingly, not do it judgmentally, but do it with compassion. So like, for example, this happens to me a lot, but recently someone was talking about, you know, they haven't watched porn and they're really psyched about it, but that they've been watching other videos and they don't really think it's a problem, but they're watching. And these, you know, you've heard me say this before. These are the things that drive me nuts some of the videos like yoga videos or gymnastics poses. Like, so for me, I'm like, why, why are you watching those? And he's like, well, I'm just interested. Are you though? <laughs> and no, of he course is interested. He... <laughs> well, <laughs> I know. Not for the right reasons. Oh, I'm not trying to learn yoga. A hundred percent. That's exactly it. And so, you know, there's a couple other things and I try not to be triggering or give people any terrible ideas. Those are terrible ideas for anybody listening. Do not right. go search those out. Don't use but, you know, totally. But the, he wasn't even aware that, and that's very common in the journey that if you're trying to stay out of 
porn sites, your brain will take you to places you might not have expected because you're trying to stay in integrity on porn, but also at the same time, your brain needs the dopamine hit. But my point to that is when you come to a group and you say, you know, I've been doing this, does anybody think this is a problem? Other guys might be doing it and might not know it's a problem, but you need to have someone who's ahead of the journey, who's experienced that. And especially a professional who knows that's a, a sexual media type of behavior and that it's going to lead you down the slippery slope. And I know so many people don't understand that about masturbation. They think when they leave porn behind that masturbation is fine, but it involves all the fantasy. And if you keep up a compulsive masturbation habit, it's a matter of time before you're looking for the higher levels of dopamine. And when I tell people that in my coaching, their minds are blown because they're like, seriously. And I know people on YouTube don't like hearing that either, but it's definitely a slippery slope behavior. So you need someone to be able to gently say, okay, not a good idea. You're here. You've committed to this journey, this transformation so that you can rock out your best life. You want to know what the things are that are going to try to trap you. And then when you know that they're traps, you can avoid them. Right. Yeah. And so a a few thoughts I was having as you were talking about it. So one is a side note on masturbation instead of pornography. A lot of the times, and I know it was my case, is that I was replaying porn videos in my head while I was masturbating. Gary Wilson talks about how your brain doesn't know know the difference. And you replaying videos in your head is the same as watching it. And for a long time, I didn't believe it. And for a long time, I, I, I didn't think that was the case. And over time, I realized this is, this is doing the same thing to me. This is the same thing in my brain. Um, yeah. Also, what's nice about you know, having a person that's a professional to go to each week and a group to go to each week is that it's worked better for me than accountability partners. I think accountability partners are, are important. And I've used them for... 15 years and they, they, they're super helpful, but sometimes, you know, they remember to check in. Sometimes they don't remember to check in just based on the person you're doing. And if you're going to something that's a weekly thing, then, you know, I'm going to have to check in once a week, no matter what. And that's powerful. Last thing about having a, a, yeah, it is. Um, last thing about having, you know, a professional to, to go to. So there's, there's a, something I heard in, graduate graduate school as I've been going through my program is that uh, one of my teachers was saying that they had a client who was like, how do you know what I'm going through? Have you ever been through an addiction? They're like, nothing strong, not particularly. And they're like, well, how can you relate to me? How can you be an expert on this? And he said, well, there's, there's a difference between experts on addiction, which you are, and experts on recovery, which I am, right? <laughs> yeah, I love and, that. <laughs> and so you know, where I'm at in the process is I'm an expert on addiction. I got it. (laughs) I fully got it. You know, now I'm becoming an expert on recovery so that I can do both, you know, and you're an expert on recovery, you know, and that's why your program works so well. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That is so funny. That is uh, absolutely so true that we don't want people to stay as experts in addiction. They've got that down. And recovery is a completely different journey. And the lessons that can be learned when when self-awareness and one of the notes I have written that I didn't want to forget is that the reason you need a group too, self-awareness can be so low at the beginning of this journey. And, you know, really that's how I got intersected into addiction recovery is, you know, someone I cared about 
self-awareness. I'm like, how could this self-awareness possibly be this low? <laughs> like, like all of this is so clear. So when you increase self-awareness, which is the first pillar of emotional intelligence, you can now start to see the forest for the trees, the work that you need to do. But it's very difficult to increase your own self-awareness. That's why you need someone who knows what to look for at each step in the journey. And other people who are caught up in addiction don't know what the next steps look like. And honestly, in my own journey here, one of my biggest frustration points, which is why I uh, took three years to transition myself out of my private practice into this, is because I felt like no one was told that the journey actually has a pretty concrete pathway from addiction to full recovery. Mm-hmm. And like, there's, there's ways you can get there. And especially I felt like, you know, it's psychoeducation. And so a lot of counselors or psychologists don't do a ton of psychoeducation. They will do counseling, which is mm-hmm. responsive, which is totally important too. But I felt like people need to know, like they're at step A and they need to get to Z and there's a B, C, D, E, F, G, H in between. And so then when I was helping my, the person that I cared about, it was like A to B took forever. And then it was B to C, which barely happened. Then back to A, <laughs> like it doesn't have to be that way. And so when, you know, moving through the journey over the course of years from addiction to recovery, And actually, it's one of, again, I'm going to talk about it in a second. It's one of the points I really wanted to make. Like, there really is a clear-cut pathway. So if you get that the hardship that you're going through right now is actually transformation, it's actually step F. Like, I know it sucks and it doesn't feel good, but you're no longer an A. The reason you're looking up gymnastics videos is because you're on step F, my friend, which means you're staying out of the screen Your brain is jonesing for a dopamine hit and it's looking for it anywhere. So then you can go, okay, this really stinks, but I need to stop watching those videos and I need to keep going so that my brain can unwire. So I love that. I think that's super powerful. What your program covers is, okay, I've been doing this for a long time as my dopamine hit. Let me find something else to do. I think one of the things that I loved about your program the most uh, was talking about brain boosting, draining, neutral, um, states of mind. And so what I learned from it was there are things I do that I think are helping me. So I go and watch TV. I go play video games. I go look at porn when I'm feeling Mm -hmm. bad, when I want to celebrate, when I want to take a break. And these things were contributing to me feeling bad. So it's this it's this weird paradox that we go to these things or it doesn't even have to be that stuff. It could be high calorie foods. I go, I was, I I was just going to say, I've talked to people about food. A lot of people about food this week. Right. And so it's like, and so you're just like desperate for this dopamine. And so, yeah. And and high calorie, easy button food. People don't make the connection Mm -hmm. between just, you know, fast food, even we just leave it at fast food or crinkly bags. Cause that's what I always talk about in the program that, you know, if you hit a crinkly bag, you open it up and you get this burst of dopamine. It's just like hitting the easy button, but in a different way. And it's a slippery slope behavior for most people exactly. because it means the foundation that we're trying to build either isn't built or it's slid backwards. Right. So I, so 
to, to go back to the point we were making, I went to an expert, which was you, and saw, I was like, okay, so what do I got to do instead? Okay, so I'm going for a walk and I'm, you know, I'm eating, I'm trying to eat well again, I'm trying to make sure I'm getting the right sleep. And so all these things where you're like, okay, I'm, I need to understand that it's going to be tough, but I'm going to make good habits that are healthy, that will actually make me feel better. Not ones that are going to make me feel bad about myself, that are going to send my brain into a minor depression because the cortisol levels have shot up and my dopamine levels have shot down as soon as I'm done eating the large ice cream (laughs) sundae or whatever it is. It's like, how can I actually feel good regularly? Yeah. And finding, finding dopamine in the world. So like, you know, like, if you like to skydive and you go skydiving, right. that's going to give you a rush of dopamine, right. but a walk is actually giving you serotonin. Mm-hmm. So like you teach your brain, serotonin is a slower neurotransmitter mm-hmm. that hangs around a lot longer. Mm-hmm. That's the joy of life. That's the spice of life. And of course you also need dopamine too, but when you're caught in this thing, you're caught in constant dopamine seeking. And what you need to do is stop dopamine seeking all the time mm-hmm. because you shouldn't need so much dopamine out of life, out of anything, but you do because your brain's in this hypersexual mode that it is literally trained to constantly seek high levels of dopamine. So when you go for a walk, you might be uncomfortable is the reality because it's like, where's all the dopamine? And you're getting some and you're getting serotonin, which is lower, but serotonin hangs around. It's the thing that makes you happy with your life, not just having pleasure here and there. Ice cream sundae, dopamine, pleasure no serotonin because when it's gone, you have shame and guilt for most people. But if you watch a sunset, then an hour later, you still feel, you know, like you've enjoyed that sunset and it like lingers in your nervous system because your serotonin has increased. And that's an important distinction. And and one last point, a little life hack for everybody that I, I learned a long time ago is that whenever you're doing something that's either difficult or something you don't want to do, you partner it with things that you like. And so I had heard the example when I first learned this of like, there's a meeting, you got to go meet with somebody and have this discussion that you don't want to have. Will you go do your favorite restaurant with them? So you're like, Hey, let's go, let's go out to eat. And you do it with your favorite restaurant. So like, let's take the walking example for me of like, okay, I'm going to exercise regularly. How do I do this while partnering with something I enjoy? And I love podcasts. Like I love learning. Like that's one of my favorite things. And so I'm saying, okay, here's a couple podcasts that I love. I save them for my walk. And so I go on my walk and I listen to my podcasts or I, or I'm like, you know what? I need to, I need to be connecting with friends and family. So I'm like, okay, for the first half of this walk, I'm going to call my mom. I'm going to talk to my mom on the second half. I'm going to listen to my podcast. And that's how you begin making these habits that are healthy. And then you get, your brain gets used to that dopamine and that serotonin. Yep. Yep. Coupling. And that's what neuroscience shows. If you couple a new habit with an old one, that it's going to stick. And so like, for example, if you, if you're trying to exercise and you make coffee, you know, you're at home, you're zoom working and you go down and make coffee, do 10 push-ups. do 10 push-ups and 10 sit-ups every time you go downstairs for a snack. And before you know it, if you go downstairs five times, you've done 50 push-ups and 50 sit-ups by the end of the day. You don't have to change into your workout clothes. It couples a thing you're doing with a new thing that you want to do, and it can be much more successful. Okay, number two is, and we've already talked about it, but I'm going to make a transition, is that 
the, the group should be guided by professionals or at least a sponsor who's ahead of the journey and knows what they're talking about. So we've already talked about that, but I started to say how it, a, a group should be responsive. So people should be able to meet you in the place that you're at. And so again, the person has to be ahead and understand what you're going through so that they can give you the right guidance. And responsive means that you talk about the biggest challenge you're having that week. And you talk about the greatest success you had that week or you, or what happened in the group this week. I love the groups that I run. They're really, really beautiful. Uh, And a guy came on, a guy who's been in the group for a while now. And he's like, it just clicked. Like since the last time I talked to you, it clicked. And then his wife's a little upset about it. So this is the stuff you can't see coming. And that's why you need to have someone to talk to you. He finally makes this move forward and his wife's a little upset, like, why did it click now? Why didn't it click six months ago? Like, what? And, you know, partners are in the grieving process, and it's difficult. And she also doesn't know if it's real, because she's been lied to for so many years that now this, this happens so often with partners. Transformation, and you're feeling so good, it's unbelievable. And your wife's like, are you for real right now? Like, I've seen your transformation a hundred times before. Right. So, so when he comes to the group, and he's like, it's different this time. It's clicked. I feel it. And I say, that's amazing. That is how it can work. Progress doesn't have to be incremental. And we know this from neuroscience. And actually, if if you haven't seen the um, the video on YouTube called The Backwards Bike, I don't know if we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. There's a cool video on, on YouTube. Uh, it's a scientific neuroscience experiment where they switch the handles on a bike this researcher does so that, you know, on a bike, normally, if you turn it right, it goes to the right, you turn it left, Mm. it goes to the left, switch the handlebars. So the opposite happens. You turn the handlebars to the right and it turns to the left. So of course it's very difficult for this middle-aged guy to learn how to ride, but he ends up being able to do it like 40 days later. Don't quote me on that. It's somewhere around there, but his brain has to learn how to, but 40 days later, it's not like he was getting better and better and better and better. 40 days later, he could do it. Because of because of the consistent practice, he practiced every day. Some days were better, some days were worse. This is a cool part of that experiment too. He had his son do it, who's like ten, and it took his son like two days because that's how neuroplasticity works. But then, when he went to ride the bike back in the way that it was, and this is a tale of you know, protect your foundation. When he went to ride the bike back in the normal way, it only took him like an hour and he he could ride the the bike. His brain clicked back to the old way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the tale is if you've been using the neural pathways into the screen for 50 years, you have to build this foundation. You don't, if you keep riding that bike with the handlebars backwards, you'll be just fine. But if you, if you, you know, kind of let the guard down from that, you can end up taking those neural pathways because we know that. But, um, you know, so it's interesting in that, that it doesn't have to be incremental. And so that's what happened to that guy in the meeting. But, you know, he, now he knows how to go back to his wife and say, you know, I talked to my group about it and, you know, this is how it can happen for people. And I'm telling you, and and I, you know, and I encouraged him to have empathy for her because it's difficult for her to believe him because she has been in these shoes before. So just stay with her and understand where she's at. And if you keep communicating and he was so psyched, but, you know, without the group, he wouldn't have had a place to explore those ideas, be validated by what he, for what he feels, validate his wife's feelings, and then give him action steps to go back and communicate with her. 
immensely powerful. Without that group discussion, he might have gone backwards. He Mm. might have had a setback Mm. or his relationship might have had a setback. With that discussion, which was under five minutes, moving forward and everybody else got to hear that. So now everybody in the group, most of which have partners, can know what to look for in their journey. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, which is step R, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. literally step R moving towards Z. But going back to the point is that that's responsive with the right advice and the mm-hmm. right and, and, you know, healthy. When I say right, it doesn't mean it's my opinion. It means there's healthy ways to approach recovery and unhealthy ways. Mm-hmm. An unhealthy way is to be upset by, you know, his wife not understanding, allow himself to feel shameful that maybe he's not actually recovering and he's tricking her you know, allowing him to really feel what he's feeling, be confident in it. You know, that's the healthy way. And you need someone to be able to, uh, you know, move you through that. Uh, any thoughts on that before I? Keep yeah. I mean, just the only thing I, I would say is, you know, you know, my first experience with a professional who understood what I was going through and could help me was definitely with my group. The only other time I, I, there was only once when I was in college where I went to see a counselor. I only went to see him once because I was, I went and I told him, I was like, look, I, you know, I have this thing. I've been addicted since I was like 14 and I'm like 20, 20 now. And I just, I want to be done with it. I don't want to watch pornography. I don't want to masturbate. And he was like, well, you got to have some kind of sexual outlet. And you know, we can try, but, and just, there was something in my heart that was like, that's, you're not right. Like you can stop this. And, you know, if you're, if you're single, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be harder than people who are in a healthy relationship. It is. Um, but I just, I just knew there was something wrong about that. So coming into a group where the guy had been, um, a sex addict for a while. He had gone through sexaholics anonymous, did the 12 step program. So, and he'd been doing it for years. So he'd been, uh, sober for, I think he's 15 years now. And so he had a solid base. So he was one of the both experts on recovery and experts on addiction. So he had done both. And so having access to that was super helpful in the group, which, which, you know, a lot of people don't have access to and which, which is why these groups are important. Yeah, they really are. And, you know, I, I love the point that you're making there. I wanted to make one more point too, is that I want to make two points about that or just to springboard off of it. Going back to what you were saying about, you know, you don't want to tell your wife, like if you've had a tough day, but you've been successful because Mm -hmm. it's so emotionally charged. So it's imperative that you can talk with someone who it's not emotionally charged because, you know, you can understand. And so that is is imperative. And I learned it. I learned it the hard way, <laughs> the hard way. Enough. And then, and then the, it's also imperative that you follow your intuition in terms of if it doesn't feel right. I talk to people just about every day who have a story like yours. Sometimes they're just the worst ideas ever telling mm-hmm. people to go, um, you know, watch health, you know, uh, I forget how they say it, but you know, like basically healthily sourced porn. Like that's mm. not a great option. That's a just, terrible idea. Just continue objectifying people. <laughs> exactly. it's, it's okay. Those people exactly. don't matter. What exactly. you need is to exactly. indulge in that self. That's, <laughs> exactly. that's what you need to do in this moment. <laughs> exactly. As long as it's sourced properly. Not a thing. <laughs> right. As so long as they're willing participants. <laughs> exactly. Which they're unhealthy too. Because, you know, I'll say to people, right. no healthy person in the world wants videos of them having sex 
online. There's right. not a healthy person in the world who desires and that. And There's tons they, of unhealthy people. Right. But even if they don't care right now, what about in 10 years? You know? Definitely. And so them in 10 years may care. They may. Definitely. So anyways, 100%. Anyways, we're digressing much, there. But, yeah. but the point is, the point is, if it's not sitting with you, even though that person might have a ton of credentials behind their name or somebody else referred you to them, if the thing that they're telling you, first of all, if it makes so much sense to your hijacker, learn to question that. Because your hijacker will go to people who will tell you the thing you want to hear at the beginning of the journey. They'll go to someone who goes, you're fine. So many people. And they're like, whoosh, I can watch porn. This is amazing. Thank God that professional Mm. says I can. Mm. Or it will sit wrong. When you really want help, it'll sit wrong. And if something's sitting wrong, don't go on forever with it sitting wrong. I talked to a guy last week who he's like, we met a year ago and I'm I'm a year too late. Cause he's in a really bad spot. And of course this happens to me a lot. I'm, and I'm like, you're here now. So you weren't able to commit last year, double down right now on the commitment and let's move you through this journey of recovery. And just to talk about what recovery is real quick, recovery is recovering your true authentic self, the real you, the one who doesn't need to constantly pleasure seek to offset pain. So some people may not even have ever met that version. You know, again, a gentleman I'm working with and one of many, he's like, I have no idea who that person is. I've been watching porn since I'm 10. I have a lot of trauma. I've got a lot of dysfunction. And so the beauty is you get to find that person or create him and invent him. Tap into what you think he would have been like all those years without the trauma and the pain and the porn. You're saying you have the ability the yeah, optimum person is who you're imagining. Okay. Definitely. Your full potential. The thing that right now, and of course that changes, but you know, people are stuck in this journey. They can't see themselves without porn. It's been such a big part of their life, mm. their whole life. Right. And they they have been stuck in this trauma response. Like it goes back to the brain, a trauma response in the brain makes your brain run low and slow and anxious. So mm. when we resolve that, there's a lot of holes, but the holes can be filled with purpose in terms of doing work that you like being able to have people in your life that you enjoy and your hobbies. And, but I know I say that it sounds cliche, but here's the counter with just a few people I've talked to this week. First guy that I'm thinking about hates his job, been working at it for 20 years, loathes it. So like, how do you have a great life if you loathe the thing you do 40 hours a week? So it doesn't mean you quit and you do nothing right now. It means you make a plan and I've helped people make these plans and it is magnificent, magnificent to see people be able to transition out of the days that they just can't stand. So they can't wait to get home and escape into porn. Another gentleman that I work with, he's realizing all the things he's not. He hasn't figured out what he is, but he said, my wife wants me to be something I'm not. And I'm like, there's so much tension because the version of me that she sees that she wants is not a thing I want to be. And so actually two people are in mind right now. One person, I'm like, you have to move towards that conflict because it doesn't mean you have to create problems with your wife. It means you have to tell her that's not me. You're thinking of your father or the the version of me that looks like the version of your father that you always wanted. That's just not me at all. And then the second person, I'm like, I don't know if your relationship will be able to make it through this. I hope it can if both you and your wife can can dig in a little but there's a lot of exploration that needs to be done there. So, you know, you don't want to be these things, 
find out what you do want to be and have the courage to be them and say to her, this is me. I hope we can, you know, be partners in crime for the rest of our life. And, you know, I don't talk about this journey lately because I'm on it on a daily basis with my husband. (laughs) You know, I told you we just celebrate our 20th anniversary. And actually, I got the most beautiful email from one of our YouTube um, subscribers, which I so appreciate, by the way. And it said, um, you know, thank you for being, you know, thank you for your work and your content. But the part I like the most is it said, thank you for being an example And the thing is like, you know, I'm not perfect at all, but I do this stuff. The stuff I tell you, you know, I move towards conflict when I, I feel like it needs to be when my husband does something and and my, my wounded inner child goes, he shouldn't be going to do that. And I'm like, why do you care? I'll literally say to me, what to myself, why do you care? He's a grown man. Let him do whatever he wants. And like, I have to play this game in my mind sometimes. Cause that's my mother's default pattern, which I'm, I joke, we're all becoming grandma. My kids will be like, why do I do this? Uh, because we're all becoming grandma and it's probably, it's not inevitable, but you know, but so I will say like, in my mind, I'll go like, think about if, if I was dead or if we were divorced, he could go do whatever he wants. So I might as well, we might as well be doing that right now. And same thing. If I wasn't with him and I wanted to do these things. So we've learned to support each other in the things that maybe we're not in love with about what each other do. But as we do that, it's so cool because that's how you end up moving towards an interdependent relationship. And it's pretty neat to see it play out on a day-to-day basis, but we have to practice it. Like it, we're, it's a constant practice. It's like yoga. <laughs> like if you're, if you're not practicing it, you're not doing it type of thing, you know? All right. That's good. Well, what was the third point you wanted to cover for the, All right. uh, the day? Third one. And then we'll wrap up. The third one is that and we've already kind of covered it, is that this is a journey of going from the pain-pleasure paradox, as I call it, which is constant dopamine-seeking, to being on purpose. That is the journey. And along the way, you no longer need porn. You no longer need alcohol. You no longer need excessive food. When you take that journey, so the way that I, and there's multiple ways we can think about it, but you know, we can think about it in terms of the neurotransmitters, all dopamine, you know, to balanced neurotransmitters for pleasure seeking versus joy and happiness. Then we've also talked about it in terms of the ego and the ego is stressed out and overwhelmed and bored. Those are the feelings of the ego. The ego is taking, not giving. It wants, it desires, it needs for itself. It doesn't think about other people and giving and contributing. It's just trying to feel good to offset the pain. When you take the journey from ego to your true self, it it starts first, it's like you're a hundred percent your ego. And then at step A, B, C, D, you transition to 10% ego, 90% yourself. And people will feel this. And I got a question like, What's my psyche going to feel like at the end of this journey? And I just made a video yesterday about it. Then when you're 50% there, you're like 50% ego and 50% self. And this is when people start flip-flopping back and forth between like wanting to go back to the old behaviors, but knowing what they should do. And then as you keep going, now you're 90% yourself and there's only 10% ego left and you have to keep it in check. And if you can get all the way there, you recover your true self. And you can be in peace and you can have joy. And of course, there's pleasure there too. But that is the journey. And it's so hard to do alone. It shouldn't even be done alone. Like 
the the beautiful thing of humanity is we're a tribe. We're a collective. We mm-hmm. are here to lift each other up. And ego can't see that. So that's why it's so difficult for a person to join a group when they're stuck in their ego. And that's my point here. When you're stuck mm-hmm. in your ego, you're like, I got this. I can do this myself. I don't need anybody. I don't need a program. I don't need this lady who talks to me about porn. I don't need this new dude and his headphones. <laughs> 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 but that, you know, you know how it is. It's like, yeah. I got this. Or, you know, if, if people are even more stuck in ego, they'll go, I'm porn's fine. Porn's good for me. I'm fine with porn. I don't need a real life partner. When people write that stuff to me or tell me those are really wounded egos. They're so stuck in this pattern. Mm. They're basically like, I don't need the collective. I don't need to be part of the world. I don't need to contribute to the world. But this is like, there is no other job in humanity. Our job for all of us is to recover ourselves and then contribute in a way that makes us so happy that adds to the world and makes everybody else happy. That is why I'm here because that is what I want everybody to have. That's why I want people to seek out the camaraderie that they need to succeed. Mm -hmm. Because first of all, it becomes one of the best, it becomes one of the best hours of your week when you get in a group. Mm -hmm. And so just one more thing. And then, well, let me throw it back to you. And then I'll talk about our group just a little bit in terms sure, of letting people sure. know. And I'll try, I'll try to keep it short. And this will apply more on an individual basis than a group. But what you were saying just kind of triggered some thoughts. But, you know, I took the Enneagram and the Enneagram said that my number was the achiever, right? And so I started looking at my life and looking how I do everything through the lens of achieving. And so hopefully I'm understanding kind of your definitions of like ego versus true self. So I'm guessing it's false self, false self versus true self maybe. And so I started to realize why I do certain things, right? Why is it that I'm so easily hooked on video games? Well, because as an achieving personality, I go into false achievements, which are video games. I sit Mm -hmm. in front of a TV and I waste three hours or five hours or 10 hours or whatever it is to make myself feel like I've achieved something, something, but it's a false achievement. What I've really done is I've sat, sat on a couch for 10 hours and wasted a lot of time. <laughs> That's really, really pornography. Oh, I'm achieving. I'm being, I'm able to interact with all these beautiful women, right? It's a form of achievement. When I see this massive plate of food, I have to finish it. Why? Because I need to achieve something, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. here's the problem with the false self is that it is pleasurable in the moment, but then there's this voice in the back of my head. There's this thing that I feel where it's the shame and guilt of I'm actually not doing anything. Like what I'm actually doing is I'm sacrificing my true self for a false self. And when instead of playing video games or watching porn or eating a massive plate of high calorie food, I make a list for myself and say, okay, here are the things I'm going to accomplish for the day. And I go through the day and I accomplish those things. I am now experiencing the true self. I get that satisfaction. And the nice thing is, is if I'm able to do it in a healthy way, and there are many days where I can, I can then do a little bit of video games or a little bit of TV or some unhealthy mm-hmm. food because I've done the things that I know in my heart that I need to be doing. So Absolutely. sorry if that was a bit of a tangent, yeah. but that's where my brain No, is. no, no. I love it. I think it's totally, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And then when you recognize those patterns, because it should always come back to an action step because it's hard to change your thoughts with your thoughts. Mm. So the action step for you is go achieve things in the real world and then reward yourself 
with the things that your ego likes to do. And that's why I say like, if you can get all the way to hundred percent, which I actually don't, I don't know anybody who's gotten to a hundred percent self, you know, cause there's always like that ego that tries to bring you back. But um, I love that. I think that's great. You know, I think it's really important that we figure out those patterns and, you know, Enneagram goes back to your basic fears and your basic desires to make you feel safe and secure. It's all about feeling safe and secure in this world. Um, okay, so let me just tell, let's just talk about real quick about the group that I've set up and the way that I've set it up, because I had the thought when you were saying how, when you have to check in each week, you feel, you know, you feel committed to this. So the way that I've set up my, our group is that you actually don't have to check in until you're ready, but I've done that on purpose because of what I've just talked about, you know, this transition from ego to self is that an ego might not join a group because they have to check in and they're terrified. But once they see other people doing it and they see the value and the benefit and how good it feels for those people and how much value they're getting out of it, then people are willing to turn their cameras on and turn their mics on. So when you join my group, it's on purpose. You don't have to interact, but we send out an email before each group asking for questions ahead of time. So if you have a question that you want answered, you can email to me and I'll answer it without you even having to talk. And then as you do make this transformation, you will want to talk and you will want your camera on and you will want the connection with me and with the other people in the group. So I've designed that deliberately so that it becomes a little bit of a journey within the group to encourage people to be able to start. And I do like it at, I have it at what might be bigger than some groups. It doesn't end up being, but it can be a little bit bigger. So you can get lost in the crowd a little if you want your camera off. But if you want personal attention, you can always get lots and lots of personal attention, too. So it's not that it's large, but some groups, and I don't know if you've had this experience, you know, you'll get on a group call or you'll go to the group and there's like two people. (laughs) It's like it's like terrifying because it's you and one other person. And it's like very difficult to get a, a quorum going. So, you know, we have I have designed the group so that it's just big enough to feel comfortable yet to be able to remain a little bit of anonymity if you want it at the beginning. Mm. And the groups, when we run it, they're three weeks a month. So it's the first, second, and third week of the month. The fourth week is an implementation week. And again, I don't know if you've had this experience. If you stay in a group for any amount of time, you don't feel like going every week (laughs) and you need a little time. You need a little time to be able to implement all the things that you're learning in the program and in the groups. So when we have the last week of the month is an implementation week, it gives you a breather. It sets you up for success. It allows you time to process and integrate what you've been doing. And then you come into the next month renewed and refreshed. And we encourage people to stay in the group for three months alongside the 90 day program and then stay as long as you would want as long as you'd like or need it. And there's lots of people who stay a long time and there's people who come and go after that also. And, you know, I think it's really important that, you know, there's a place you can come back to if you want to. Uh, Do you have any other thoughts about that before we wrap up? No, that's great. The only, the only thing I'll say is that, you know, I think men, and this is generally speaking, maybe not all men, but I I think there's a lot of men out there that want to feel like that they're brave and that they're bold And that's why we're obsessed with Star Wars and superheroes and all these things. And honestly, going to a group and being vulnerable is brave and it is bold. And so the moment that you do it, even though you're terrified, 
you feel like, okay, I did what I was supposed to do. Like I, I put myself out there. I did something that was slightly dangerous, mm-hmm. right? Emotionally speaking, it's, yeah, it's dangerous. For sure. And I accomplished it. I did, I did, some, I did something great. And yeah. you, you don't want to do that in an unhealthy environment because people may not understand it. You want to do it in a healthy environment where people get you and they're like, great job, dude. Like, yeah. thanks for coming. Thanks for sharing. Like you did good. And there's a satisfaction that comes from that. And that helps on this journey a hundred percent. It really does. That's beautiful. It's awesome. We'll wrap up there. Cause that was great. I really appreciate that. Okay. We'll have an awesome day and uh, until next time. Right. Thanks everybody. We'll see you <laughs> All soon. All right. Thanks. Bye Zach.